Friends, welcome back to Bet On You Radio, where every episode we have a special guest sharing inspirational stories so you can have the tools and strategies you need to bet on yourself and win. I am Ben Whiting here with my dear friend and colleague, Angie Morgan Witkowski. Angie, how are you doing? Hey, I am doing fantastic. I heard you had some new news, though. I heard that you now have a manager. I do. I do. <laughs> Tell I, me about this. this past, so fancy. <laughs> yes, this past week, I signed with Platinum Speakers Agency. Uh, and there's a wonderful woman there named Donna Butis, who is my manager now. And I got to tell you, as a person who has spent his entire life as a solopreneur, I have always, you know, I was the keynote speaker and I was the head vacuumer here in my office, uh, you know, running everything from my website to my calendars, to my invites, to my emails. And having someone else now just to share that with uh, and those responsibilities with feels like such a weight off my shoulders. Uh, much like when I get to facilitate with you because I know I'm going to have someone fun that I can hang out with and we can throw our little uh, back and forth with our funny comments and whatnot. Well, thank you so much. I hope <laughs> to take some weight off your shoulders. And I think there is something special about a team, you know, with this podcast, with the work that we both do in keynoting and workshopping, you can't just kind of a weird industry if you really think about it for so long. My kids thought I was just on my computer all day and I'm like, no, or the phone all day because right. I do some coaching too. So it is, but, but it's a team. It really is a team sport. In fact, work is the biggest team sport that we're all on. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't play basketball with my friends anymore. We don't go out and play volleyball. I'm, I'm working with my friends primarily. Right. And because it's a team sport, we have to think about this team mindset. I'd love to hear from you. Like, what do you look for in a good teammate? When I look for a good teammate, there's an old saying in management that says hire for attitude and train for skill. Uh, because attitude is a really, really hard thing to train for. But, you know, when someone comes in and they have a positive attitude and they're looking for things they can be grateful for and trying to lift other people up, that is what I want in a teammate. Because when we all feel good, we all do better work. Um, I think it was another saying we've heard is, you know, motivation. It's not about making people do great work. It's about making people feel great about the work they already do. So they want to do more. Um, but yes, that's kind of what I look for in a teammate. What about yourself? Yeah, and I think those are great, you know, sayings and things that we often see on corporate poster posters and things <laughs> like that. I always think though too, like what about the behaviors then and expectations on me? And I know one of the training modules that we put together is on likability. Right? And I always think about that because there comes a point in your career where it is just assumed you know how to do the work. This next level of workplace performance is well then. Are you fun to be around? <laughs> Are you engaging? Do you, do you care about me? Do I care about you? And that's kind of where the magic of team building goes. And I love that you're talking about your, your new manager. My guess is that she's pouring heavily, not just into your processes and systems and ways to make you more efficient, but the relationship. Be it's about the relationship. Exactly. Before I ever thought about working with her, I wanted to be her friend. And I think she felt the same way. And so that was kind of the core at my decision-making process when we decided to take it to a professional level. Taking it to a professional Taking level. Taking it to Sounds a professional so formal. level. Right. I'm really happy for oh. you. I think this is something that you've wanted for such a long time. So congratulations oh, thank all around. thank you so much. We can stop talking about me now. Let's, enough about me. <laughs> what do you think about me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. But thinking about collaboration and thinking about working with other people, this actually, I think, segues really nicely to our guest today, Lee Tao, who is a 
pie grower. Uh, now, when I first heard this phrase, I well, I was thinking of someone planting apple pies in a field, but of course that's wrong. But I think a lot of people come at life with the mindset of, you know, when you have a pie, that's all there is. And what he's all about is how do we make the pie bigger in negotiations, in project management, in everyday tasks. And I'm excited to hear about some of his techniques and strategies uh, to do that. And why, why we should. And I agree that we think about this fixed pie, that this is my piece, there's not going to be any more. But obviously, they need to know about the pies here in northern Michigan. They're everywhere, and there's always more of them. And that's where we're going to be going with our conversation is there's not just one pie, folks. There's more pies, and we can grow the pie. And what does that look like for your world? Greater collaboration, better relationships, better results, more savings. But it really is. How do we work together, take this pie growing concept, and use it to make life more enjoyable and successful for all? Growing, growing pies, it's great that you're catching it now because we're coming into spring here in the Northern Hemisphere. So it's uh, ready to plant uh, season, so it's fantastic. I grew up growing corn and beans in Northern Iowa, about 20 miles south of Minnesota. And so growing is in my blood. It's just great to be here with you. Oh, thanks so much. And can you explain a little bit about pie growing? Obviously, it's not something that's gonna be propping up this spring in the fields talk about your philosophy because we wanted to have you on you are such an optimistic abundant thinker and i think that's something desperately needed in our society so if you could tell us about the pie grower organization that you run sure sure it's really just a language and templates that everybody can use um it's easier to say than zero-sum game so let me explain a zero-sum game for just a moment zero-sum game if the three of us were to play poker and we each brought $100 for the evening. And Angie, if you won uh, uh, 50 and Ben lost 50, uh, if you added up all the wins and losses, so your plus 50 and his minus 50 equals zero, that's the sum. So a zero sum game is a game in which uh, things don't change. It's a fixed amount. Pi is viewed by a lot of people in the world, some people in negotiation, it's not a term that I invented, but it's a metaphor for the total amount. And pi generally is thought of as something that's fixed, something that is a zero sum game, that even as you go through uh, uh, a situation, as you go through a project that you might manage, as you go through something with your departments or neighbors, that the only way for one person to get more is for the other person to get less. And so pie growing is the practice of looking at a, a total amount and saying, hey, can we grow this? Is it expandable and how? Lee, I imagine as you know, you work through life, there are so many different pies that you see. Uh, and this can be applied to so many different areas. But I'd love to hear about uh, kind of the germination of this idea. Where did it begin? Right. I love the or origin story. It's from Des Moines, Iowa, where I live now, and I've lived in different places since then. But 30 years ago, uh, there were nine communities. Picture a tic-tac-toe board, because that's about the right configuration <laughs> and the right communities. So Des Moines in the center, surrounded by some other communities. Des Moines built a botanical center, and uh, the revenues from that weren't always shared 
the, to everybody's liking. And so as other communities began to run a national golf tournament or build an ice hockey rink, they weren't getting cooperation from the other communities. They were all on their own. And they said, you know, we should be cooperating. These are regional things. These are state drawing events that we're talking about. How do we cooperate? And it got so bad that they said, you know, we need another layer of government. They put together a charter commission, put it in front of the voters. The voters said, no, we're not paying you to have another level of government. Figure out how to get along on your own, right? So um, the local leadership uh, group, Greater Des Moines Leadership Institute, hired me to put together a simulation to have them see when should we cooperate and when should we compete. And they ran through that simulation and hopefully it planted some seeds, you know, uh, who knows, there were no, it wasn't any big, oh, now we know how. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that, wasn't quite that great. However, now that I have come back to live in this area again, about five years ago on television, I saw this TV report that said, hey, look at this road salt uh, facility that all of these metro towns have done and built together. This is where it all runs together. And, and, it's, and it's so great. And so I went and talked to some of the city managers and said, hey, how, when did this start? And it was about a dozen years ago. And they did some tracking of the numbers because they wanted to apply for some grants. And they found out they had they were saving in the first 10 years, they saved $2 million, right? Because they were buying in one bulk contract for the price of salt. They just had one building to maintain. They didn't have nine different loaders loading them into trucks. Um, so th that was a great way to quantify what pie growing is about. What pie are we after? Is it revenue? Is it cost savings? Is it recognition? What are we trying to do together as a group? And then can we make it something other than fixed? Can we grow it? I love that idea. And two points. First off, the answer is never more government. That is never the answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the second question, question too, it's, it's like you're talking, I remember, taking economics in grad school and prisoner's dilemma. And if we could only learn how to collaborate just a little bit better, like, man, if my kids knew how to collaborate and sought abundance, we would they would have keys to the kingdom, but they haven't quite figured that out yet. Therefore, they get nothing. Just kidding. But it's like it blows up in their face. But I guess that goes to my point, though, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Most people don't think collaboratively. Most people don't think abundantly. Why is that? Uh, we are so conditioned through, uh, you know, we, there's so many things that are win-lose and, and many of them in a good way. Uh, you know, the court system, the athletics, uh, business, market share, employee of the month is a win-win-win-lose because only one person can be employee of the month. Nobody else can be. Uh, valedictorian. There are so many things that have competition built in. It just becomes our way of doing things. And then on when we might try to cooperate with somebody, if we get cut off at the knees, um, you know, uh, we've learned, oh, I better be defensive. So we've kind of learned to be defensive. So when, when it's the right time, I will uh, tell you my thumb wrestling story. Would you like to hear that now? I, it, the floor is yours. This is not original to me. There are many psychologists and maybe some authors that have talked about thumb wrestling. I picked it up. The unique thing to me is I added quarters to this. So as a stand-up corporate trainer for 25, 30 years, I tried to find experiences, ways to get people engaged. So I'd say, hey, come on up. A couple people want to thumb wrestle. Oh, yeah. So here, here are the rules. Here are the rules. Uh, you've got 30 seconds 
and uh, every time you pin the other person's thumb for a second, you get a quarter. You've got 30 seconds, go. And so they lock thumbs and, you know, they're just going crazy. So on average, Ben, how many times do you think over that 30 seconds that total between the two of them, they pin each other's thumb? Uh, I would say on average, what, maybe 30 seconds, two or three times, maybe. Exactly. You're exactly right. Three times on average. And, uh, you know, I didn't track every single time, but sometimes it's four or five. Sometimes it's one or two. But on average, it's about three times. So I pay the people their quarters. I go, here's your two quarters and here's your one quarter. And they're going, yay. And I go, what if what had happened if you had cooperated? They think for a minute and the light bulbs start to go off and they go, oh, wait a minute. So if we had like taken turns or just, you know, one person just went like this, 30 seconds, one pin per, we could have won 30 quarters. So here we are cheering about three quarters and we could have had 30. We could have had three times the amount. So instead of 75 cents, they could have had taken me for $7.50, right? So that's the pie. That's what we're talking about is that was expandable. That was, uh, you know, it's like the $2 million, but it's it's not quite as much, but it's it's real time. So when you asked, you know, why do we react like that? It's, it's we just get into game mode, we get defensive, we get competitive sometimes. And, and so we're geared to compete first. And that's my goal in life is to get us to ask the question, what would happen if we cooperated and then think about that for a second before you automatically go into compete mode. Oh, that's so good. That is incredible. Oh my gosh, plot twist of the thumb wrestling story. I, I gotta ask Lee, where are some just areas that you see, because you've been doing this for so long, you know, corporately, I'm sure you see it in every the everyday world, pe places where people can be collaborating, most often where they're not. Well, I think just to tie into where most people are thinking, uh, or a lot of people are thinking, we hear the word silos. So, you know, Ben, w when people talk about, hey, we've got silos in an organization, or we've got silos, where are some places that, that, that you've thought about that when you hear silos, do you have any companies or types of organizations in mind? Yeah, well, I won't say any by name, but more often than not, if there's an operation and there's a sales team, there are silos. Overhead or operations, yeah, business from the you know bean counters everywhere, everywhere. Right, right. Uh, university departments. Uh, any anytime there are departments within an organization, my particular take the way that. I generally did this was I was in project management training most of the time. So uh, it applied to project team members. Can we get all the team members on board? So that requires a vision of where we're headed, right? So pie growing, let's compare it to um, uh, 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 growth uh, growth mindset. Sorry, I just uh, blanked out there for a second. But so let's compare it to growth mindset for a little bit. Growth mindset and the book Mindset by Carol Dweck that was written is, you know, a, a fantastic book. It got us off of uh, comparing to one another a little bit. All right. So the growth mindset is don't worry about mistakes and don't worry about whether you can do it. Just look at your growth. Look at your progress. That compares us to our past self. It says, are we better today than we were yesterday? So that's a step in the right direction. Gets us off comparing me to you or me to Angie. Right. So 
where pie growing comes in is it says, where do we want to go? So what if we built that facility? How much could we save? First of all, it's the recognize the pie we're talking about and building that salt storage facility, recognize that that is cost savings, right? The, the benefit to a project team getting together uh, is the bridge getting built or you know the IT project getting complete or the lemonade stand between two neighbor kids, you know, working out because you sell brownies and you have different customers because I sell cookies. And if we got together, then I could go to the bathroom. And then, you know, while you watch the stand, if, if we have a lemonade stand. So it works at so many different levels inside universities, churches, whatever. And uh, so high growing requires that vision to say this is where we're headed as opposed to where we've come from. That's the difference in, in growing a pie versus a growth mindset. I get what I was thinking about as you were talking to just simple everyday examples that we see, you know, we think about some of these Silicon Valley tech companies, you know, Apple versus Google versus Microsoft, whatever. You know, I've got my iPhone right here and I run Amazon apps on this because they figured it out, right? They figured out how to be really fierce competitors, but recognizing that there's a shared vision. We want everybody on their phones all the time so they can buy whatever they want and get on social media together. And so this is like a really great example of pie growing. And what we could say for the good of society or for the demise, not sure yet. <laughs> but <laughs> but I would I would love to hear from you too. Just what about your experience coming through the ranks as a corporate trainer gave you this aha moment? Because I'm sure, you know, this is like anything, you know, we develop our thoughts and ideas about our philosophies in life by maybe not a aha moment, but a few things. But I'd love to hear about your background a little bit more. Where did you have this idea of love? Right. Well, tell you what. Oh, I love a good prop. Let's see. I I have a little prop here. So that that simulation that I put together for the six uh, or for the nine communities, these are two of the two of the pages from that. And so the, the training simulation, it's not me talking to them and telling them they should do it. It's me saying, okay, divide into six groups, right? And then I give them packages of, 30, of 21 coins to spend over three rounds. And I get to observe uh, the two ways they score points are at the end, how many, how many points have they put onto their board? The other way is how many of these regional facilities down here have they built? They only get seven coins to spend per round. These regional facilities take four to build each, and they have to spend all their coins in a round. So if they don't cooperate, it's very inefficient because they can uh, buy one regional facility for four, and then they just can only put three up here for local facilities. If they work together, they can build more regional facilities, and that's the second scoring element. And and so they realize, oh, if we cooperate, we can increase the regions and seeing this over and over. So so my training with companies, whether it's uh, it was American Express in Phoenix or California Department of Transportation or Ernst Young Baltic States Group uh, uh, for Baltic States in, in Lithuania to observe their interaction for those rounds and when they would choose to say, hey, this one is called Pine Ridge. We're going to make Pine Ridge better than the other five, or are we going to make Pine Ridge the best it can be and cooperate on regional facilities? How are we going to define winning? Winning versus others or winning versus what we could be? And so 
getting to watch that all the time was great. If I'm going to collaborate and share the idea of success with someone and we're both going to give a little to get, you know, a greater gain, I'm going to have to trust you. And I imagine in situations that can be really difficult, especially if in the process of goal attainment, maybe I feel like I'm working harder than you. Maybe I feel like I'm giving more and I'm not getting my due share. How does trust play into this concept of collaboration? Boy, you nailed it, Angie. Trust is definitely important. Let me start with for the spectrum of people who look at winning and the, the four types of, of how we look at that across the spectrum. So you've got growers, and that's only about 10% of the people that I run into. And most of those, I most of my view is in the United States. At the other end, we have grabbers. Grabbers play win-lose all of the time. So they are used to playing win-lose. They've grown up with that. And that's just about all they know how to do. They think it's survival of the fittest. It's just way of the world. If you talk growing a pie with them, uh, they'll just look at you like this is some sort of soft stuff. And then in between those two, you've got two other groups, the ones who are close to growers, but not quite because they're defensive. And we'll get back to trust. This is going to lead us to trust. So the group that is supportive of win-win, philosophically, they're, yes, I want to cooperate. I love collaboration, collaboration over competition. I love it, you know, abundance mindset. They say all the right things, but they've been burned so many times that they start out being defensive, right? So, so that's about 40% of the people. And then the other group next to the grabbers are the grabber lights, if you will. Those are the skeptics. They're skeptical of growth being a real thing. And they pretty much believe, you know, survival of the fittest, win-lose, that's their approach. The difference between the skeptics and the grabbers is that the skeptics are open to and they can see the possibility of cooperating. So if you're a grower and you say you want to cooperate with one of these other groups because 10% are growers, 40% are supporters, 30% are skeptics, and 20% are grabbers. If you are a grower and you say, hey, to a supporter of this idea, they'll go, oh yeah, I love to cooperate. And you'll be able to trust them and there'll be a high trust uh, pretty quickly. If you get together with a skeptic or if in your team of 10 people, you have a, some skeptics, which you probably will, uh, they'll be going, oh man, am I going to get credit? Is this person going to take this away from me? Do I want to share this information with them? Do I want to share my budget with them? Uh, I'm wondering if I want to do any of those things. And so it will take some level of trust building to get them to be fully on board. And then the grabbers, it's just going to take a while. They're, you're almost in constant compete mode with a grabber uh, just to get them on board. Um, all the way through, a, if it's a large team, a project, or if it's one-on-one, -on -one, you're always working with them as, a, as someone who you know is going to compete with you. All right. So trust is very important. And depending on where they come from, it, trust can be established pretty quickly and easily, or it may take you a while to earn that. Or and maybe you have to get through the project with workarounds because it doesn't really quite develop during that whatever period of time you're working with that person. I think you described all four members of my family. <laughs> I think we need some intervention. <laughs> ben, did you go with your question? Yeah. Definitely describes some people in my life. Uh, Lee, you mentioned that certain people, uh, not necessarily the grabbers, but the ones kind of next to them, sometimes it takes some trust building. 
What are some like techniques or strategies you have found that help build trust? Right. I, I think the, the biggest thing is just modeling that win-win can work. And really, I say win-win, but it's even beyond win-win because it's growing the entire pie when they see these things happen. And so um, my goal is those percentages I mentioned to get the percentage of growers from 10% up to 30% by 2030, right? And so if we can convince some of the supporters to become growers, and now we begin to see this working, you, you begin to see, oh, look, they pulled it off. So at least for a, for a few decades, we had Russia and the United States working together on the International Space Station. We had examples of you know, people working together to the benefit of both, and not in an altruistic way, just I'm helping somebody else, but it's good for me as well, right? So we start to see examples of this. And uh, so uh, when Melanie Perkins built Canva, uh, she, had, she had to pitch her idea to 100 different venture capitalists before anybody thought Canva was a good idea. And so trust had to be developed between her and the people she was pitching to, right? And now, you know, she's just herself is worth approximately a billion dollars. Uh, so it, it will take some time to get there. And I kind of look at those segments one at a time. So pull in the supporters first. That will give you more examples. And then the skeptics, when when they, because they're evaluating, they're seeing it work sometimes and sometimes not. And the more times they see it work, the quicker they will help on board. And that's, it's a pulling arrangement down that spectrum. I follow you on social media. And by the way, I love a really good smart goal. So 30% by 2030 is genius. So thank you for that. Having those, you know, we also call them BHAGs, right? Big, hairy, audacious goals, which is just really wonderful. And I, I think we are seeing signs. What do you think makes people lose traction? Because I, I wonder, and this is, you know, my, my curiosity, it takes a lot of leadership to pull people together. So I wonder if it's just lack of leadership that we lose traction, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Right, right. Uh, sometimes we get tired. Um, he, here's another type of growing that that I did uh, 15 years ago. So we had the idea of of uh, in my church getting people out into the public to do music. And there's something here in our area called uh, Jazz in July. So all throughout July, you've got jazz bands playing, and because they're all in one big calendar, no one of the events events is, is important all by itself. They build on themselves. So we said, what if we did that in June and took all of these different um, worship teams, these, these positive message bands, and got them out into public? All we would need is ever, all of the organizations, all of the churches to put up a poster in their own place and say, hey, look, here are all the places this is happening. Now, you would think churches would all work together towards this greater good that's that's defined, right? Uh, and yet, even at that level, people are so territorial that to advertise other people was was it was pulling teeth sometimes, right? And so, after doing this for two years, there was just it was still working uphill to get people to work together. That you decide, ah, you know what? I'll just go on my own. So, you know, the, we, people love the saying is, you know, if to go far, go together. And if you, or, or, yeah, you want to, you know, 
go alone, you're not going to go very far, right? So uh, sometimes we just get weary of pulling everybody along and we decide, uh, gosh, I'm just going to go alone for a while and go on my own and see what happens. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Thanks. So you talk about what are the number one reasons that people sometimes have a hard time collaborating, a hard time uh, trusting is simply they just get tired. They feel weary. My question for you is when you feel like that, what are some strategies or tips you have to recharge your batteries, to pull yourself out of that feeling? Sure. Uh, I think the importance of the mission. And uh, for me, I gave you origin story number one, which was the communities getting together and helping them in the long run get to that point. The second one is coming up on a 10 year anniversary to me in November. On November 7th of 2013, on the corner of 21st and Forest, I had worked for youth in that area for about three years. I stopped doing my project management training uh, and worked for this youth organization for three years. And that night, uh, uh, in the evening, I watched my social media feed and it said how tragic. And I come to find out that at 630 that night, one of our young people was shot and killed uh, because of, you know, gang uh, jealousy, because of turf, right? It's, it's the ultimate fixed pie or maybe war that we're seeing, you know, in another part of the world is that ultimate fixed pie. So to recharge, really, uh, I go back to this is important. This is, this is uh, you know, we talk about pie and we have, we have loads of fun. Um, and, and yet the, the real mission here is to get to that core of jealousy. If we can get away from a fixed pie and the jealousy, what that leads to. One of the people I talked to about this three or four years ago works for Homeland Security. And, and we're talking about, you know, how this is really part of the answer to the mass shootings and, and other things that act of violence. The root cause is that jealousy. You're getting more attention than me. You have more turf than me. You're disrespecting me. And so really to recharge, I go back to that, the, my second origin, which is that was, a, was that fatal shooting to say, this is important. If, if adults can model this behavior, kids will mimic it and we'll start to see more collaboration, more cooperation, less defensiveness, and not only just growing the pie, but one of the things I, I don't talk about a lot is let's not shrink the pie. Let's not, let's not do things that cause us to get worse in certain areas. So I go back to those origin stories. That is really, well, first off, a horrible, tragic story. And so impressed and not surprised that you make meaning from those circumstances in your life. I want to go to this concept of jealousy because I actually just wrote a piece on it about workplace jealousy because you hear it all the time. They get the promotion. I didn't get the promotion. They do this. I'm getting overlooked. If I were to feel jealous, what guidance would you have for me? Uh, Angie, you tell me um, jealousy as it relates to a pie can you can can you relate those in your mind? Can you tell me how jealousy and a fixed pie relate to one another? Yeah. So say that Ben and I are working on a project together, like not a podcast, something else. Ben, let's think. <laughs> let's let's just duke it out right here, Angie. Tell me, unload it. Tell me everything that's wrong with me. <laughs> say that we were working on a project at work. And we were collaborating and we were cooperating and our boss kept on, you know, noticing Ben, like, oh my gosh, Ben, you are so great. And I would, in my mind, I'd be like, do I not get any credit? What about me? And I would feel an honest jealousy. 
right? That that's an honest emotional response to a situation. And because I feel that way, I may not want to work with Ben or I may want to undermine Ben. And at worst, I may try to, you know, sabotage the project that we're working on just so I can, or if something happens, I'm going to blame Ben. But Ben, I would never do that. I love you so much. But, but you know, this, this is fake, fake and make believe. But so what do I do with that honest human emotion of jealousy so I can transform it into maybe appreciation, maybe acceptance, maybe celebration? How, would, how, how might that process work? Right, right. The recognition that I'm assuming it's a fixed pie, that re that recognition is only so much. That's why I'm jealous that I'm assuming that other person got some and I didn't get any and there's no more to go around. And so if I'm going to get more, I have to get it from the other person, that zero sum game that we talked about at the very beginning. So if we can recognize that's the case, we can go to an expandable pie, right? So, um, Five different types of pies uh, that I that I talked about uh, earlier this year with some other people. I, I put on a hand so we can get the types of pies, uh, and these are broad categories, but they get you in the ballpark. The pointer finger is prosperity. That money wise, revenue wise, cost savings wise, you're making more. The tall middle guy is prominence. That's what you were just talking about. Is I got attention. I got you know recognition I needed. Uh, people are building awareness. The ring finger is for people. Uh, I've got relationships going the way I want to. The little finger is for play, and the thumb is for positivity, uh, love, hope, faith, those types of things, right? So in the first finger, the pointer finger, a lot of those are semi-scarce. Uh, you know, sometimes there's only one job promotion. We need to admit at times that we can't just have an abundance mindset and abundance mindset our way through everything because sometimes things aren't abundant. Sometimes things are really scarce. So, so sometimes we will end up competing. But as we went from prosperity back around to the positivity, love, hope, those sorts of things that we want to make the top pie in a stack of multiple pies, those things are infinite intangibles. There's no limit to the amount of really recognition, smiles, hope, uh, those sorts of things. And when we recognize that's growable, I can get more recognition you know, in this other way, and I don't have to compare it to the incredible amount of recognition that Ben gets because he's so good, right? Great. So, yeah. So, so if <laughs> exactly. So, recognize first of all which things can be expanded, like recognition can be, and which things are truly scarce, like when my daughter handed out rice at the back of a truck from Haiti, and they recognize there's not going to be enough to go around, and there's a panic. You know, you can't. There are truly scarce. Uh, things at times. But that recognition, that feeling is recognizing, oh, I'm assuming it's fixed and I can fix this. I can go to where we both get recognition and somebody in the room can fix that. Lee, as you were holding up your hand there and going through these five things, I couldn't help but notice uh, the wedding ring. I would love it if <laughs> you had a story you could share about where this philosophy of growing the pie has helped you maybe in your marriage or any other sincere relationship you have. Oh my gosh, that's that's a good one. Uh, you know, I, I, we actually I had somebody uh, a couple of months ago ask me about 
they had to go through a divorce and they wanted to go through it in a pie growing method. I thought that was so cool that they wanted to try to uh, leave both parties as whole or as expanded as possible. That was a good way to do it. Uh, so yes, in 40 some years, uh, I'm very lucky that I married a, a grower herself and that uh, she, you know she doesn't have uh, jealousy of, of me. And it's because she's generally superior to me in all ways. So it's easier for her, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it, you know, it's a good thing. It goes back to the jealousy thing is, is, um, is there enough to go around or do we have an assumption that there's only so much of this to go around and there's compromise sometimes, sometimes there's scarcity of, of leftovers that we both want to eat and we have to work out a plan, you know. <laughs> Lee, it is time for Angie and mine's five favorite questions. So we're going to throw them at you. Are you ready, my friend? I am ready. Thanks. It's like the hot seat. Angie, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I love getting book recommendations from our guests. So I'd love to hear from you, Lee, of a particular book that was very influential and or perhaps inspirational for you on your life's journey. Uh, I think Adam Grant's Give and Take is very close to a pie growing philosophy. It is about generosity. It is just uh, a little off of what pie growing is about, but the general theme is very similar that uh, that as a person who would give and take, that you are going to benefit as a giver. Wow, that is the second most recent referral to that book here on Bet On You. Ben, we better do a book study for this. This is- yeah, I know, right? We, I'm gonna Amazon Prime that thing right now. The uh, All right, well, Lee, I'll tell you what, if you could go back in time to uh, your younger self, we'll say in your, your teens or 20s and give that Lee one piece of advice. What would that piece of advice be? Right. I'd go back to myself as a product development manager at a bank for four years. And so I had the job, product development manager. I'm supposed to think of new products. It's my job. And I, I'd go back and tell myself, look, if you got together with the heads and just went out to lunch more often of other departments, uh, the departments where the products would, would reside, that it's not your job alone. That as a leader, you're in charge of the space, but you don't have to be the person with all of the ideas. So involve those people, bring them in, get their ideas. And I think that's what I would, would tell my younger self. And that leads to collaboration and that will lead to the pie growing. Oh, I think that's a great uh, perspective to have. And I think too, I don't think enough of us realize at those early stages of our career, how valuable relationships could be. And speaking of relationships, I'd love to hear from you um, a piece of feedback that you received some point in your life that was very illuminating for you. Hmm. Piece of feedback that I received that was illuminating. Uh, as a trainer, I would get feedback at the end of almost every day because there would be sheets and evaluations that would come back in. And, and I think just the idea that the feedback wasn't negative that it was, um, hey, this is how it can be better. And so I think the realization as I would get feedback a lot you know, over time is that this is a part of the process. And so the feedback itself is very valuable. Um, you know, you think of bowling. I would do this exercise in class sometimes where I would hold a sheet up in front of pins. I'd bring in a, a plastic ball and pins and roll it toward the pins. But if I would hide the pins from the people who were rolling the ball, they'd go, what happened? What did I knock down? And they wouldn't 
they wouldn't know. And that would become very demotivating, right? Uh, because they didn't get that feedback. They didn't know what was going on. So, you know, part of that advice uh, or feedback I got was was give people the feedback they need. It, bowling, really, if you think about it, picking up a 16-pound object and rolling it towards something for a couple of hours, that sounds a lot like work, but it turns into something good if we have feedback, if we go, hey, there's a game out of this, right? So feedback in itself is excellent. Ah, uh, great point. I actually went bowling last weekend and pulled a hamstring. Oh. So in that case, it was extra work <laughs> and a reminder of a reminder of how I need to uh, stretch more often. Isn't that a terrible <laughs> life lesson that now we're at that stage, Ben, where we need to stretch before we bowl? <laughs> uh, Angie, I could throw my back out watching Netflix at this point. It is, it's, yeah, yeah, I need to invest in a yoga mat or something. But anywho, so Lee, my question for you, from time to time, all of us just get in a funk. We're unmotivated. We don't want to get off the couch. We're just having a hard time making ourselves go. Uh, you've already mentioned that, you know, you want to remind yourself of your mission and of the big picture. What's a, like a practical piece of advice or a strategy that you use when you need to get out of a funk? I just see other people, observe other people. Um, I remember uh, going to Haiti. I've been to Haiti four times. And and uh, I remember one of the trips, I uh, got down there late on a Wednesday. And at 4.30 a.m., we were out singing praises uh, to people in the dark. And, and when I'm in a funk, I think, oh, my gosh, look at the people who are able to lift themselves up. Uh, and find joy in just about any situation. And knowing people, knowing young people who come through horrible situations and, and are positive and productive and joyful and they get themselves out of bed, I go, if they can do it, I can do it. So I think we all need examples to see in other people's lives. And I look for other examples like that. Oh, that's a great example. I feel the need, by the way, to commensurate with Ben for a second to I had a sleep injury the other day, just so you know, like if you can throw your back out bowling, I can get injured in my sleep. I had a really sore neck. <laughs> so I'm with you, buddy. Like, I'm not superior to you. I'm I'm with you on this journey. Um, anyway, Lee. I had a sleep injury. <laughs> Lee, final question. You've been just sharing so much wisdom. I would love for you just to espouse one more piece of wisdom for our Bet on You community, people who are trying to enact meaningful risk in their life. What guidance, advice, wisdom do you have to offer for them? Sure, sure. Uh, keep, keep looking for what's possible. I go back to that question, uh, what would happen if we cooperate? So I think about all the people that, uh, I've had, you know, thumb wrestle over the years. And, and if we can just say, what would happen if we cooperated and think through that, what does that actually mean? Think about that for 15, 20 seconds. It's like, wow it could be much better than what I had just envisioned. And, and so, you know, I would say, have that question on loop. That's what growers have is that question that says, what would happen if we cooperate? Fantastic. Friends, I hope you have gotten as much out of this episode as we have. One final question for you, Lee. Uh, if anyone wants to contact you, get in touch with you, learn more about you, where should they go? Uh, two places, LinkedIn, my name, Lee Tao, uh, or you can go to the website, uh, which is piegrowers.com. Piegrowers.com and Lee Tao, that is spelled T-O-W-E. 
not uh, any other way you might be imagining it. <laughs> <laughs> Sky's the limit, really, if you think about exactly. it. Exactly. Thank you so much for your time. This was a wonderful conversation, and I am so appreciative of all the work you're doing. Very kind, and thank you for your your show and all the positivity you guys spread, Angie and Ben. Appreciate you guys. Angie, when you heard that thumb wrestling story, I, I didn't see the ending coming. I really didn't see the ending coming, and it hit me like a gong. No, I mean, it's true, though, but how many times do you frame something in your mind and it's just kind of stuck there and you don't even see the opportunity? So how cool is that, that with his work, he gives people these practical, fun little examples just to remind them that how we think of things can sometimes be so small and narrow. But if we really challenge our perception, it can be grander than we even imagined. By always asking the question, how can we work together? The, you know, because we're always better together. And I think what's really interesting is kind of the neuroscience behind that is that, you know, we're happier, we're more fulfilled when we work with other people as opposed to being a silo. And it's just almost kind of sad how like that our natural instincts are to be competitive. Our natural instincts sometimes are to gamify things and win. But uh, life is so much better when you don't, when you actually just work with other people to accomplish bigger goals. And it's really hard, though, too. And I think he acknowledged some of that as well. Like working with and through other people can be really challenging. There's our egos that are involved. God forbid that anybody have them. And I think, you know, there's something of a healthy ego. I think about a healthy ego allows me to bet on myself and take risks. But too much ego prevents me from being collaborative. And also, too, you know, people can be frustrating. And if we've been around people for more than five minutes, but I feel like there's so much opportunity if we just kind of challenge our instincts as he's recommending and try to think about the greater win in the relationship in life. Yeah. And when someone's frustrating us, maybe the question is, you know, how, how can I work with this person? Like what happens yes. if we do that together? A question we could pose them. And this is the second guest we have had recommend Adam Grant's Give and Take. Have you read that book? I have not, but I, I mean, I know who Adam Grant is. He's he wrote also the book Think Again. And so I think he's going to have a successful career as yeah. a writer, speaker, professor. I'm just going on a limb. Yeah, he's think, doing pretty well. In this, this up and comer, I think if he sticks with uh, with this writing hobby he has, he might, he might actually make it. I think he's going to be okay. No, I, I love that though, that there's clearly a thread being pulled with our Bet On You radio guest, they always talk about the value of collaborations and relationships, about challenging your instincts and imagining a better way of creating success for more people. They talk too about just that trust that you must have in yourself to continuously bet on you. I'd love to hear from you. What have you been pulling from these conversations, Ben? It's really interesting how all of our guests very, I should say, I, I think never have talked about putting themselves on a pedestal. They've never been trying to make them sound great or talk about how it's all about their success. They're always focused on how they're helping other people. And this is something that we've taught in kind of our presentation skills, that if you're thinking about yourself, that's when you get bogged down with what am I going to sound like? How am I going to feel if I mess up, et cetera, et cetera. But when you focus on helping other people, then you start to get excited about your mission. Like, how is their life going to be better? How are they going to be changed once we get done with this activity or this presentation. And so I just see a lot of great, successful, selfless people that take initiative. Those are the big threads I see throughout all, our, all of our episodes. I think too, maybe this is a challenge for us all to take on between now and our next episode. Imagine that every person you come in contact with, you can make their life just a little bit better. 
You can do it with a smile. If it's somebody like a stranger on a sidewalk, you could do it with a warm, gentle, friendly hello. The smallest things you can do, you can impart just some positivity. And that's the power that we all have. And I think Lee was a great reminder of that amazing power we have to bring out the best in ourselves and others. Oh, I love it. We, maybe, maybe we should do that every episode to have like a little mini challenge for the people listening to this. That was, a, that oh, was, yeah, that was great. It. It was it's great. Done. All right. Come on, remember to do it next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Bet on You Radio. I am Ben Whiting here with Angie Morgan Witkowski, and we cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Bye bye.